0: This is Share the Load. I'm Mia Schachter. I'm an intimacy coordinator for TV and theater and a consent educator. Today, I'm talking to Rebecca Rose, um, who will introduce themselves.
1: Thank you. So (laughs) I'm Rebecca Rose. I'm super excited to be here with you, Mia. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Um, I am Many Things. Uh, I am a visual artist, illustrator, muralist. I'm also a somatic consent educator. I did my training with you (laughs) and, um, what's the other one? Oh, I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a trauma-informed yoga teacher. (laughs) I've only been doing that for eight years. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I do yoga, yoga, art, and everything in between how they relate to each other. i love teaching it's easily one of my favorite things to do
0: Mm. so yeah me too i (laughs) did not set out to be a teacher and here i am and it's Mm. i i'm with you it's one of my favorite things um can you share pronouns
1: oh yes and my pronouns are they and she
0: I wanted to start today, and maybe this will be something I'll do with everyone um, by asking you to define consent.
1: Mm -hmm. It's such a like a I feel like a nebulous request. Every time I come up with a definition, I'm like, but what about like this additional nuance I'm not quite capturing? Uh, But for me right now, what's feeling good is consent as an ongoing practice of. Physical, emotional safety that we have mm-hmm. with ourselves, like keeping ourselves safe, as well as with others and those we're in relationship with. Um, yeah, so that would be like my my short de- definition.
0: I love that. That's awesome. I'm also curious how you know I've known you now for like almost a year. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Wow, yeah. time flies. I know. Um, I'm curious how your relationship with consent has changed. And I, I think there's maybe like, you know, in the last year version of that question. And then there's like over the course of your life question. So I'll let you just decide how you want to answer it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a, it's an interesting question. So what I would say for my like personal journey, I'll start with more of like the wider course of my life is, uh, well, like first, maybe soft trigger warning, Um, won't go into any detail, but like in high school, I was a victim of sexual assault. And I feel like my understanding of consent was like totally non-existent in that category um, and dealt with like the very like typical experiences of like this is my fault or this is unfair all of that and not realizing like consent wasn't possible in that situation um so like even like thinking like going into high school there's like one really popular video that like most colleges or going to college most colleges use it's like the analogy of like you don't give a sleeping person tea um then, like my understanding of consent became very like conflated with permission giving, uh, but it also became like a big source of empowerment for me because as I started to get more into my creative practices and I got into uh, reading and writing poetry and doing like light organizing with my campus uh, for Sexual Assault Awareness Month, uh, and I was performing a lot of poetry like. It, like, felt like it was an outlet for, like, anger, uh, as well as sadness. Um, but, like, again, it felt empowering, and it felt like something I could connect over, um, and now more recently, especially in the last, like, year since I've encountered your work, uh... My understanding of consent has completely changed and like I really see consent now I feel like as a mindfulness practice Um, because I I have studied mindfulness for quite some time now and I've noticed like mindfulness is all about like somatics, noticing your thoughts, noticing how you feel, being like really aware, self-aware and I feel like consent is the same thing with just slightly different language Um, so like the previous feelings of like anger, sadness are now feel much more related to like joy and connection. Um, yeah.
0: Wow. That's, I, that whole, you like just took me on a journey and that was really cool. I also, like you said the word anger and like an engine revved out your window. I was like, wow, that's so on point. Um, I love where you're going with consent as a mindfulness practice. I completely agree. And for, for me, like the history of that, of thinking about it that way starts with, um, finding acting. Um, for me in my early twenties, like around 20, I think I found, um, I moved to, I had, I was living in New York and I found an acting teacher. I hadn't really been aware of this, but all the acting classes that I had taken in LA growing up here were really geared towards TV and film. And in New York, most of the acting classes that you find are really geared towards theater. Um, and so that was really my first exposure to like acting for theater, which is extremely process oriented. It's all about being in the moment. I mean, I would say all acting is, but when you're, you know, in television, it's like you do a take, you do it again, you do it again, and then you switch camera angles. You do it again, you do it again, you do it again. It's a bit of a different thing. Whereas like acting for theater is, is it's all about the rehearsal. The final product to me was like sort of almost irrelevant. Um, and it's all about being present. It's about listening. It's about attunement to yourself and others. It's about, um, you know, reacting honestly of the moment without any preconceived expectations Um and so that became a mindfulness practice for me. It was at the time kind of the closest thing I'd ever had to like a religion or a spiritual practice. I was raised Jewish, but it was very secular. Um, and now I would say I'm actually a, a religious Jew, but it it's a it's a different different thing. So then when I found consent work, it felt like this sort of logical extension of this Way that I had been thinking about acting. Um, And I started to think about this difference between acting and performing. Uh, You know, you see performing in reality TV and you see performing in a lot of porn. But when you're watching people really act, they're trying to get at some deeper truth and like human, you know, something about the human condition. And so now I even think about like on the yes to no spectrum like acting is very much on the yes side and performing is very much on the no side. Um, so hearing you talk about it as a mindfulness practice, you know, I know that you're talking about yoga or like that's some of your context, but I'm also very interested in how that has, um, been part of your creative practice.
1: Oh, yeah. So my creative practice I, has changed a lot over the years. So like I was mentioning, like when I was in college, which is or more specifically when I was in community college, uh, which was some years ago now, uh, I was really focused on like poetry. And I feel like I I didn't really know how to like express myself at all prior to writing poetry like it did not make sense to me I, did, I was not at all able to like advocate for myself or like communicate a moment where i'm like that didn't feel right i don't like that like writing poetry and finding a way to um turn it into a metaphor or play with sound and alliteration like that really taught me how to express myself and then when i was able to express myself i was like and also like got some positive feedback from it. Like people were like, you were not bad at this. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, wonder if there's anything else I'm not bad at. <laughs> and so then I, just, I took an art class and it was just like an intro to drawing. And then I was just like, yeah, this is it. This is the thing that I want to do. And what's interesting about going through art school, I feel like you have to learn how to do a bunch of stuff you don't want to do. Like I had to, you know, do a lot of like academic drawing um, and like working towards realism. And I'm like, I don't really, I don't really care about making something realistic. I love cartoons. I'm here for outlines. Um, But, you know, finding a way to take that and like take it with a grain of salt. Like, yes, this is valuable experience, even if it's not like, exactly what i want to do um and figuring out like how to still make it my own um so i have all that experience in school but then i feel like what started to happen is i noticed like i could use art to emotionally regulate so i have these like really colorful little drawings and i I remember i was going through like a, a breakup kind of moment And I was like, very sad. I'm like, I really want to cheer myself up. And so I just started doing these like really cute, really wholesome little drawings of like little dudes floating around on balloons and like playing like on a pogo stick, like playing in flowers. And like, I was able to like improve my own mood just by like choosing to draw something that like made me laugh. And that's huge. Yeah. So there I'm like, I'm sure there's a lot more that I may be glossing over in this moment about like my art practice, but that was something that was really um, beautiful for me to notice. Uh, Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, you know, one of the things that I found with consent that has been such a surprise And I've talked about a lot on here is the way that it has enhanced my creative practice and the ways that it has removed a lot of resistance around creativity and making things. And also it has forced me to reckon with my inner critic, with my imposter syndrome and with my perfectionism in a way that has made creativity so much more accessible to me. Like it's just lower hanging fruit. It's like I can reach it really easily. Um, And then another part of that is that I started journaling every single day a little over three years ago, and that has completely transformed my creative practice um, and given me an incredible like relationship to self that I can revisit it's also now becoming the basis of a book that I'm writing. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, you know, hearing you talk about it, it's, I I, the, I think the thing that has surprised me so much is that people keep telling me that consent, like they're noticing this relationship to their creativity changing and that it's, it's giving them, like consent education is giving them tools to express themselves in all these new and subtler and more nuanced ways. And that is leading to an increase in their confidence because they trust their own ability to like explain their state and change their state and communicate their truth and be understood. Mm-hmm. Yes,
1: I definitely I feel that connection. Um, and I, I think one of the examples that I was trying to like remember was uh, there was a moment where I was drawing and I felt myself getting like insanely frustrated with the drawing. And then I realized and I checked in with myself. I was like, what's going on here? And I realized like I was trying to start a painting which was like a very different experience of drawing than like the experience of wanting to like unwind and relax. Cause I realized that's what I was trying to do. So I completely like shifted gears. And instead of like trying to start this painting that I finished, but nice <laughs> I finally finished seven years yes. later, that's great. <laughs> I did it. Um, but instead of like trying to like do these like kind of thumbnail sketches, I realized like, I just want to, like, draw cute frogs. And so then I spent an hour just drawing cute frogs. And it was really fun. And I felt so much more relaxed. And I'm really glad I had that awareness of, like, self-consent of, like, I'm not actually doing the thing I want to do right now by trying to draw this specific way. So how can I draw differently in order to accommodate where I'm at?
0: That's so Important. You know, okay. I'm going to plug a podcast, um, a different podcast. Um, I think it's called Moonbeam, and Annika Hanstein Azora was just on it. And, um, and they, they just did my educator training. Um, and, and Annika uses he, she, and they pronouns. So I'm going to switch them up as I talk. Um, so he was talking about, uh, creativity and consent because a lot of Anika's work has to do with like creativity as spiritual practice. And this whole idea of like being in consent with yourself in order to have that relationship with your creativity, um, where sometimes you perhaps like put on your calendar, you know, okay, like tomorrow I'm going to dedicate all this time to like finishing this painting or working on this part of my book and allowing yourself to say no sometimes while also, and you already kind of touched on this about art school and like having to learn to do things that you don't necessarily want to do. Like there are aspects to creativity and also aspects to like working for yourself or having any kind of job where you're like, I, I have to do these things and I don't want to. And like, you know, where does um, I mean, my question is always like, OK, well, then in what ways am I going to care for myself before, during and after that thing? as opposed to sort of just like doing it begrudgingly or the worst thing you can do, which is like, try to convince yourself that it's actually something that you want. Hmm. Um, You know, like, like if you're taking, like, I took a welding class that I, but you know, maybe you're like, well, I do, I'm not interested in welding. And, but you're like, but, but you like have to, you know, for the major or whatever to like complete your requirements. Like the worst thing you can do is be like, well, maybe I'll love it or like, you know, it, I can, I can like convince myself that it's like a really positive thing or it's a skill I should have or whatever. The better thing to do, I think would be like, right. I don't want to do this. So I'm going to make sure that I'm like well-rested before I'm going to make sure that I have, you know, maybe my fidget toy or my stress ball or my breathing techniques while I'm doing it. And then afterwards I'm going to, you know, eat a peanut butter cup or like whatever the plan is. But better to do that, I think. Than, and And when it comes to creativity, you know, sometimes, yes, I allotted the time and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to do it. And sometimes I'm going to allow myself not to, but there are going to be times where I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have to have that conversation with myself of like, you know what? You have a meeting with your editor tomorrow. So how can we get to a place where this is not like something that you have to suffer through, but rather something that you can support yourself through and then like care for yourself after?
1: Yeah. I I think when I teach yoga, something I like bring up a lot to my students is like the idea of feeling safe enough. Because, like, sometimes we, like, try to promise, like, this is a safe space. But then, like, you don't know that it is. You don't know what everyone's experience is. Maybe you say something that's triggering and it doesn't feel safe anymore. So even if you do feel a little triggered or there is this resistance of, like, I don't want to do this thing. Like, how can you reach this space of feeling safe enough
0: to be present
1: or safe enough to do the thing? Uh,
0: That's That's huge. And I think sometimes the feeling of safe enough comes from giving yourself permission to say no. Sometimes you say no and then you go, oh, actually, you know, now that I know that I can say no, I'm a little more open to doing this. Oh, shit, Rebecca, I just muted you and can't unmute you. I'm back. You got it. Okay. (laughs) Whoops. Now
1: I know. Yeah. Ready? What does that mean? I don't know. I know. We just had a hiccup and now it's hard to get. Reset. I feel like saying no gives you just a lot of, like, space to chase what you actually want. And... I feel like my relationship to no has changed a lot and like I love when people feel safe saying no to me I'm like yes say no to me please that's so important when they say yes of course it just means so much more
0: Right. I, I've i been thinking a lot about this. I mean, I think I've thought about this a lot over the course of the last several years, but like, especially recently where it's very hard to trust someone if I don't think they can say no to me. So like, you know, I have a friend where I've often been concerned that she like would sort of people please her way, like out of the friendship by just like never telling me that something was wrong or that i said something or did something and um and you know she's one of my best friends and sometimes there's like these moments where i'm like i want to ask for a favor or i could use her help with something or you know her would really value her opinion on something and because i don't trust her to say no to me i often just won't ask I just won't ask. And that it's making me think of your frog who says like, when you ask me for help, it gives me a chance, an opportunity to be closer to you. Like, I feel like sometimes there are these moments where like, we could get closer or build trust or build intimacy in our friendship. But because I don't know that she would say no to me, I I don't extend that opportunity for us to get closer. And, you know, then it raises the question of like, cause I think that creating the space for someone to say no to you is like, it is a mutual effort, you know, like it's a shared responsibility. There are certain things that I can do to make it easier for someone to say no to me. And I have a list of those things and it's on my Instagram and it's in a class that I teach, but there's, also a responsibility on the other person's part and you know I'm all of course in both we're all in both positions all the time where like I also have to be able to say no to people like if that's something that I'm struggling with then yes they can create the conditions that are going to make it easier for me but I still have to be able to say it um yeah so it's like this shared, this like communal effort of like holding boundaries of saying no of all those things feels like it's, I I don't know. It takes me to this thing of like, a lot of times with consent education, people are looking for this like really clear way to like not hurt people ever. You know, I hear that over and (laughs) over. I don't ever want to make anyone uncomfortable. And I'm like, okay, so the first thing we have to do is, like, get rid of that impulse because that's simply impossible. And normally people hear that and they actually feel really relieved because then, you know, you can dedicate your efforts toward, like, doing better and toward, like, repair and things like that, but you get to relinquish this, like, uh, attempt at perfection. Um but, yeah, anyway, this idea of, like, it, that boundaries are a communal effort and, like, saying no is a communal effort, it muddies that for people. Like, they're like, but then how do I make sure that I'm not doing it wrong? And I'm like, you can't. Like, <laughs> Sorry. <get back. laughs> yeah, <I'm right. laughs> Sorry, I don't have a better answer for you. Yeah. Uh,
1: that brings a lot up, I think. I'm like, especially that for me, like, the last, like, two weeks or so, I feel like. I have just, like, messed up so many times.
0: Me too. I've made a lot of mistakes in the last month, I'd say. It's been, a, a you know, a lot of processing around mistakes I've made.
1: Yeah, and I'm like, okay, I need to slow down because I'm realizing I'm not handling myself well. And I think I just need to, like, slow down and remember, like, why do I like just existing How can I, like, focus on my joy outside of, like, uh, trying to build a career or trying to help people or whatever? Just, like, can I just have a quiet morning alone?
0: Mm. Yeah. That's – I really like where you're going with that. I think there's – especially when I've made mistakes, whether it's, like, interpersonally, one-on-one in my personal life – or like in a class like I did a few weeks ago or on Instagram, like I did last week, you know, in these more public forums, like there, there is a way that urgency can take over. And often like often that's being sort of requested or even demanded by other people, you know, like apologize Mm -hmm. now. And it's like, well, I got to figure out what I exactly, like what I'm truly apologizing for. And I got to figure out how to like, how to how to like demonstrate that remorse like in my actions not demonstrate the remorse but i mean like you know put that into practice and i want to make sure that you know because i can just say sorry out loud but like i i want to make sure that i'm understanding i want to make sure that i'm recognizing what i did and i want to make sure that i'm like showing through actions that i've learned um, cause you know, just saying it is like kind of just lip service. And I think there's, there's a sense of urgency that I feel around like, Oh no, how do I fix this? How do I fix this? How do I fix this? I really like where you're going with this, that it's like, maybe those are actually moments to like do less and slow down and take your time. And even, you know, in these mundane moments, like eat breakfast without multitasking or like go for a walk without my phone like those kinds of things
1: yes exactly because when like we slow down like that is what's giving us the energy to do the things we want to do and like, I mean, I struggle because I have a lot of things that I want to do. And like, I'm like 89, 99% sure I have ADHD, which would explain most of my life.
0: yeah
1: um, So I'm like, oh, that's why I'm always carrying like five conversations at once and never doing one thing at a time. Uh, which like, in a lot of ways, I'm like, this feels like a superpower. But when I like, leave it unchecked, For too long, I'm like, I feel like I'm swimming in a pile of chaos. And how can I pull myself out of that? Mm -hmm. It always goes back to slowing down. It also always goes back to the body. Like, how does my body feel? Right. I got sick. I got, like, really sick twice back to back the last, like, month and a half. Or was, like, out for a full week both times. Wow. So I'm like, hmm, body's trying to say something to me. Am I actually, like, listening?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. What do you think it's telling you? (laughs) Slow
1: down. (laughs) Slow down, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, I'm doing too much. Because I'm like, not only was I sick, but then I got into, like, two, like, pretty back-to-back moments. And this is where one of the memes that Layla and I made uh, came from of, like, Not wanting to disappoint my friends, but being honest with myself about my capacity, was like I got into two back to back moments where I like just messed up and disappointed people, and then called got called out on disappointing them, and then completely shut down, like unable to think. Oh wow! So I was like, okay, yes, you want to help, yes, you need help, or you want to do all these things, but like if you're getting so dysregulated when you realize like you've made a mistake that you like, can't formulate a sentence.
0: Right.
1: Like this should not be as big of a deal as it is.
0: Well, I mean the should in there, right. you know, like you're experiencing it. I think I'm relating to that so much. I mean, I think one of the things that I recognized in one of the fuck ups that I made recently was like that, that, Sometimes I'm going to receive feedback or like recognize that I've done something wrong or harmful, I'll say, and I will freeze. And when I freeze, I kind of like, um, you know, it becomes sort of dissociative. And so like, I'm even watching myself and I'm like, what is going on, Mia? Like, you know how to handle this. What are you doing? You know, and then it's only later that I'm like, who was that? You know, like that was, that is not how I want to operate. That's not how I think of myself. Like who, what is, what happened there? You know? Um, And yeah, so this idea of like slowing down and tapping into the body. And it's really interesting that, you know, the result for you was, illness. Um, I want to make sure, you know, you just brought up Layla and these memes, and I want to ask you about this class that you're offering. Can you tell everyone about it? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so excited.
1: Um, so we're doing uh, a five-day class, uh, Boundaries and Consent for Teenagers. So it's going to be age, ages 14 to 18, And it will just be like an intro to boundaries and consent. I'm thinking of it like the education that should be the um, prereq for any education that your school gives you on sex or sexuality uh, or just communication in general, Um, because I don't necessarily think like the heart of the class is going to be talking about like sex or romance or physical touch. It's much more about, like, how do boundaries and consent, uh, how does it come up in, like, much smaller moments? Like, uh, if I'm not able to tell my friend that I don't want to go to the mall with them, and I can't, like, feel com- comfortable and confident, like, saying no to, like, just hanging out, how would I ever be able to say no when the stakes are higher? So right it's you know destigmatizing consent and talking about boundaries and why they matter and like everything that i like wish i had known or wish that anyone was talking about when i was a teenager <laughs> because i like i think about um you know like social media everything i'm seeing online now i'm like i i don't even think i knew what boundaries were until like my mid 20s Right. And now I'm like,
0: I can't go a day without
1: hearing someone talk about it.
0: (laughs) You know, you can look on Google at like the, um, the like trends of words and like how much they've been used and searched Mm -hmm. and the search for boundaries went way up in the last 10 years. And before that, like people were looking it up, but it was like way, 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 way less frequent. Um, I remember re-watching the entire series of the OC a few years ago. Maybe that was last year, I can't remember. And um it was like three and a half uh seasons in before anyone mentioned the word boundaries. And like mm-hmm. now I feel like you see people talk about it on TV all oh, the yeah. time.
1: I feel like your relationship to the OC is my relationship to Gossip Girl. Oh wow. And I'm like, in the first episode, there are, like, multiple assaults that are just, like, oh, that's oh, just his huh. personality trait. Right. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I know. You know, it's interesting. Like, I think that – um so, okay. So we're getting into the way that, like, consent pervades everything. And we're also – you know, the way that I teach consent and the way that I know that you think about consent is this, like, very – non-binary way. And I think one of the things that I'm sure will show up in the class is the ways that like not only are you having your boundaries pushed sometimes, but like you also push other people's boundaries. You know, like uh, we are all doing both. We are all like violating other people's consent either because we don't know or because we have a need or like for whatever reason. And um, a need that we can't, we can't get met or we don't know how to get it met or we don't know how to ask for it, things like that. And I'm thinking about like when I got like when I look at sort of, you know, like all the moments in my life that brought me to this work, it's like, yes, I did have violations. I also experienced a sexual assault, say even perhaps a number of sexual assaults um, and a number of consent violations that were like in the realm of, um, I don't know how to explain, like, like unwanted texts and like things like, that. you know, like some kind of like harassment type of thing, but like not physical touch. And then, you know, so, okay, yes, like I've had, I've had those experiences. And, and I think this is really important. I've also recognized the ways that people have told me throughout the course of my life that they, certain people in certain situations have told me that it's hard to say no to me, have, um, you know, things that I did without thinking it through all the way that I discovered were, like, not okay, or that I shouldn't have done, or that were harmful. And, like, we have to be recognizing both of those things so that we're not just, like, pointing the finger at other people. This is, like, the communal effort thing. It's, like, we're all sharing this responsibility, and that requires us to look at ourselves and the ways that we have Perpetuated the the you know the misinformation or the misunderstandings around consent and boundaries because of our own lack of education.
1: Yes, absolutely. I love I, like I just like everything you just said. Amazing. <laughs> um, I think one of my like most powerful teaching moments was a time someone was like, "Hey, Rebecca, you caused me harm." Yep. And I was like, you know, I had I went through all of the feelings. I was like, I never want to cause anyone harm ever at any time ever for any reason. Oh my god! But then being like, I'm so grateful you told me because I had no idea. Um, and part of it, like in this specific situation, I'm thinking about is like largely because it was about um, I touched someone's hair without permission. And I'm like, in my mind, I'd never even thought about it because I'm like, people are always touching my hair. My hair is very curly. People like make comments about my hair all the time. And like, I'm like, oh, people touch hair. But I didn't have like the association of um, like the the trauma that could be attached to that uh, as it relates specifically to like a black person's hair. So it was like a very eye-opening moment for me. And I'm just like, so grateful to that They trusted me enough to tell me I did something wrong. Um, And I think that's going to be an important piece of the class as well, of, like, when people come to you with how they feel, it is a beautiful act of trust. Yes. uh, And it is an opportunity to grow closer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's something that... um... My dear friend, CJ Kitten Miller shared with me, she's been looking into attachment theory and shared that the like secure attachment is not born out of like a lack of conflict. It's actually born out of repair. So like if, if there is conflict or there is a rupture or there is harm The secure attachment comes from the repair, Um, which is a fascinating thing. And I've been thinking about this in terms of accountability as well, because in order for me to, um, like, practice being accountable, I have to fuck up. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, so, okay, in order for us to have secure attachments, we have to have ruptures, And that's very complicated. It's, it's, that's a really hard thing to grapple with because it's like, okay, you know, I fucked up recently, so I, I practiced accountability and I, there are certain things about how I went about it that I'm looking at in hindsight. And I'm like, I would do this a little differently. I would do that a little differently. Um, But in order to do it differently next time, there has to be a next time. <laughs> you right. know? And then I have to be like,
1: all right, I'm going to fuck up again.
0: And, you know. <laughs> totally.
1: You're like, oh, I'm back in this place. Yeah. I don't like it here.
0: <sighs> I don't like it here. But, yeah. but you know, you were talking about the like freezing thing And, you know, not being able to formulate a sentence. And it's like, okay, well, this time I was able to formulate a sentence. That's great. That's, like, vast improvement, you know? Like, I was able to remember to breathe. Okay, that's really positive.
1: Mm -hmm. You know what? This is bringing up um, a poem for me that I really, like, cherish. And I feel like I revisit at least once a year Mm -hmm. that I found in the Tibetan book of Living and Dying. Wow. Um, I'm spacing out on what it's called I don't even remember like but it's I think it's called something like there's a hole in the sidewalk and it's just like written in five parts and the stanzas each time you like fall into this hole and it's the same place but like each time you fall into the hole you gain a new awareness about it until you make a new decision um, I'll send you the poem it's really yeah it's one I'd of my favorites
0: if you can send a link to it too, I can oh, put it in the show notes. Oh, definitely. I would. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. Well, I'm aware of the time. And is there anything else that you'd like to share about the class itself?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say like, I'm still, you know, playing with the outline. I have like, I have something planned. Five, it's five classes, uh, 75 minutes. Uh, each class, and I am working on making sure there is a good balance between, like, uh, discussion slash lecture, but also just, like, experiential stuff, because we're promoting somatic consent, so I think having, like, time dedicated for just somatic practice um, is really important to me, so there will be an opportunity for, like, just a you know, some yoga or, um, a creative activity and planning on doing some kind of creative activity. So I think it's going to be like really well-rounded and just a good, um, introduction for something that can develop, uh, develop for a lifetime really.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And Layla, who was on the podcast recently is, um, supporting you in that, and we can say it's it's January 2nd to 6th, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. And it's an hour and 15 minutes for each session um, in the afternoon on the West Coast and the evening on the East Coast. Um, and you can sign up for that through uh, through my website, consentwizardry.com. Um, there's also, I will post a link to the class in the show notes as well. Awesome. Cool. Um, well, can you tell everyone where to find you? Yes. Uh, so
1: I have uh, I'm like, which one do I want to share? I'm starting to use it. So I'll just say my yeah. Instagram for consent education is at everyday moments and it's every with three R's and a period between the moments. Um, which I'm like, please link that because I don't know if that was the best description. (laughs) Of course. Um, And I also have a a website, which is uh, RebeccaRoseArt.com. And Rebecca is spelled with a -A K-A-H. So yeah, Instagram and my website are probably great ways to get in contact with me. I have my emails on my website. So
0: Cool. You know, I'm just remembering something that I was going to say earlier when we were talking about slowing down and how you've been like moving really quickly and the the from where I'm sitting, I've watched you have enormous amount of success very quickly. Yeah. Um like with murals, with getting your new job, with moving into your first apartment by yourself and like, you know, you've had you've really been like blossoming and expanding in a lot of new ways so there's a sense of like that's been happening very quickly and this invitation to slow down is you know perhaps a, a, a little bit about that as well like around you know success like that that's also that's just been happening really fast my mind is just like <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> like right all of that happened very
1: fast i graduated very, college fast. like a year ago <laughs> very very fast yeah yeah adjusting to a nine to five has been uh
0: an adjustment <laughs> yeah yeah it's a <laughs> uh, the least <laughs> I, yeah i mean i i've had one of those and it was brutal Um, Okay. Well, thank you so much, Rebecca. Um, It was really a pleasure having you. And I'm so excited to see how this class unfolds.
1: You too. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, Yeah. Thank you for like Letting us use your platform and oh,
0: my pleasure. that's for, what it's for just
1: being you in this world <laughs> and being like visible in the public,
0: <laughs> well, thanks, Rebecca. It's, you know, that was like my goal when I learned about consent was to make it make this information as widely accessible as I possibly could. And it's been really amazing to see the way that, like the Instagram has grown and the educator training has grown. And, like, that it it is really moving outward, like with and without me, in in incredible ways. So the the platform is is a community platform, like that was always the intention, and that's really what I hope to do with it. Great, cool. Yeah. Appreciate you. I appreciate you. the The last thing that I will say, which I was supposed to say in the middle <laughs> and I forgot, is that. Um, please do write a review and rate the show on whatever platform you're listening to it on, because it really helps the algorithm. Like it'll start to put this show like up towards the top when people search like related search terms. Um, so if you can do that, that would be amazing. I'd also recommend checking out, um, my dear friend Amelie's uh, podcast, Wine Splaining. She's editing it and doing the music. Um, that is a podcast about uh, women winemakers, hosted by um, the the people who own Vinavore in Los Angeles. Um, and if you're interested in taking a class, I have the Consent Mini, a two day um, a two day course uh, in December on the fifth and seventh. Um, if you join my newsletter, you get a 10% off discount. Uh, and actually, you know what? I'll tell you right now that you can get 20% off of all my upcoming classes through Christmas day. If you use the code PREZIES P-R-E-Z-Z-I-E-S, all capitals. Um, I'm also taking, uh, a few more one-on-one clients. And if you would like to advertise on the podcast, I have a link to a form uh, with all the information that you need on my site uh, under the podcast tab or you can email me at podcast at sharethelodeinc.com and I will send it to you um, our music at the beginning is no longer by me Amelie Rousseau did that she's on Instagram at Sophia Bolt um, she's an amazing musician and she is also looking for um, podcasts that need an editor so if you need editing on your podcast she is available to do that all right that's all i got thanks for sitting through that with me rebecca i appreciated the the moral support (laughs) of course my pleasure all right thank you until next time